I remember I, I, I used to lift weights a long time ago. I used to lift weights. And my uncle was the, basically my weightlifting instructor. And uh, he would say, whatever you think you can do is what you can do. If you think you can't, then you won't. If you think you can, then you will. And so you, you had to conquer it in your mind before you ever started lifting weights. And so oftentimes you think, well, I just can't. God, you're going to stretch me too far. God, you're going to take me beyond what I think I can handle. But the fact of the matter is God knows exactly what he's doing. God knows exactly how much you can take. God knows exactly the plan that he has. And God knows exactly how that plan needs to be carried out. His ways are higher than man's ways. His thoughts are higher than man's thoughts. He works everything out for good. And so there are times where we just don't understand, we don't know, we, we question, we, we, we maybe even get a little bit frustrated with God and we think he's asking a little bit too much of us. But there are times where we just need to trust. Acts chapter 9 and verse 10 begins the story of a man by the name of Ananias. I want you to notice something very interesting in this story. The Bible says in verse 10, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And hath seen in a vision a man named, look at this, this is so specific, he hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem, and here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. The Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight. And be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled, Allowing God to Stretch You. Allowing God to Stretch You. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house this evening. Father, I pray that it would not be a waste of anyone's time. Would it be something that we could take and use to further your gospel, to further your work here in this world, and Father, to please you and glorify you. Father, thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Father, we're just so grateful for that. I pray that we would be able to give our entire lives to you because of that. Father, I just love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Allowing God to stretch you. Ananias was a man that, in my opinion, would be very similar to us. He would be very similar to um, our way of life, perhaps. I mean, the Bible calls him a certain disciple. Just a man that wanted to know God. Just a man that lived in Damascus. Just a man that was uh, wanting to understand Christ and was a disciple following Christ. Just an ordinary man. We don't know if he went to church. We know very little about that. 
I don't even know if there was a church at Damascus. I don't know if he was from Jerusalem and he was one of those ones that was scattered about. We don't know much about him. All we know was he was a certain disciple. Just a general man. We don't know anything else about him. In fact, the only other person that in the Bible named Ananias is Ananias and Sapphira. And they lied to the Holy Ghost and were killed in Acts chapter 5. So he doesn't have a special name. He doesn't have anything really special about him that we read. But there are a few things that God was not ready to let him get off the hook yet. God wanted to stretch him just a little bit further. God wanted to make him just a little bit more pliable. God had not maxed out his capacity yet. So let's look at the life of Ananias. Let's draw some application here. Let's take a look at what he is doing and how it can apply to our lives. Number one, I want you to see his willingness. His willingness. Acts chapter 9 and verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, watch this. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Behold, I am here, Lord. Just very simply, Ananias was saying, Behold, I am here. Lord, you called me, here I am. I am here for you, do whatever you want. Ananias was ready and willing. He was there waiting. It was as if just God spoke to him. Immediately he rises and says, here am I, Lord. I am always impressed with the willingness of God's servants. Spending time looking at the Bible, understanding uh, uh, the great things that people do, the, the, uh, what we would call spiritual giants in the Bible. If you look at them and you spend time looking at them, majority of them, actually all of them had a willingness about them. We look at Samuel. We know Samuel literally said, here am I. He, he thought Eli was talking to him and he would run to Eli and say, here am I, for thou called me. And Eli said, no, 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 it wasn't me. Go back. And he goes back and he hears the call again and he says, here am I. He had the attitude of willingness. Finally, Eli says, listen, it's probably the Lord. Why don't you just say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And you know what he says? He says, speak, for thy servant heareth. He had a willingness about him. If you look in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah says, here am I. Here am I, I'm the man. God looked for a man to make up the hedge, to stand in the gap. And Isaiah often says, here am I. We can go through and look at Noah. Noah was willing. God said, hey, I want you to make a boat. Well, what's a boat? Um, there's gonna, rain is going to come. Well, what's rain? What's all of these things? What are, what are these things? Noah was willing. It's a 120-year project. We're going to give it to you. You're going to have to step out by faith. And he says, okay. He was willing. Noah was willing. Abraham was willing. Abraham, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees. I want you to travel all the way to Haran. You make it to Haran, and that's where I want you to leave your family, and I'm going to give you a land that I will promise you, a land that floweth with milk and honey. That's the land I'm going to give you and your descendants. He says, okay. He's willing. Abraham, I want you to kill your only begotten son, the one that I gave you, the one that, that you had, the one that I promised that would, everything would come. I want you to take him, and I want you to kill him. Okay. He was willing. Abraham was willing. Moses was willing. 
Moses, I want you to go and I want you to rescue your people. I want you to lead them out of Egypt. And just like any normal human being, he stutters a little bit and he begins to show his weakness. And and God says, listen, I will help you if you'll just be willing. Moses was willing and we see that he brings the entire children of Israel out of Egypt. David was willing. Oftentimes we don't necessarily think of David as a willing person, but listen, David willingly went through years of heartache. Years of heartache. He, at two times specifically, could have killed Saul very easily and did not. He willingly went, kept going. He willingly stayed in line with God and said, God, am I to go up now? Am I to go to Hebron now? Am I to take the kingship now? And God says, go up. He's willing to hear from God. He's willing. Another person that I think of is Hosea. Hosea was willing to take a harlot, to do something that was unheard of at the time. Go, take her to show a picture of what Israel has done to me. And he was willing. The apostles were willing. Willing to lay down their lives even to do what it was that God had called them to do. And instead of just laying down their lives before they ever did that, they were willing to simply follow Christ. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they leave their nets and they follow. You see, every great person in the Bible, every great person ever, if you want to get into modern day, you look at Adoniram Judson and George Mueller, and you can begin to look at some of these quote-unquote modern day men and how they were just willing to do whatever it took, whatever God wanted them to do. It was all there. All there for their taking. They just needed to be willing. I think sometimes there's a problem with our thinking in our willingness. If I were to ask you today, how many of you are willing? And stop there. Not, don't put any conditions on it. Just how many of you are willing? I would think, of course I've been wrong once before. I would think that everybody or the majority of people would say, yes, I am willing. But here's the problem that I believe I have and that we have with willingness. Sometimes we think we will do anything as long as it meets the conditions that we put on it. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm willing, but we're actually not willing because we're only willing to do what it is that we allow ourselves to do. So if I said, how many of you would be willing to go to Africa? I would get far less hands, right? Because that's specific. Most of us would say, listen, I'll be willing to go anywhere as long as God doesn't send me to Africa, I'll go anywhere. As long as God doesn't send me to the north. By the way, I'd rather go to the north. Way cooler up there. If, as long as God doesn't send me to this place, I'll go anywhere. Listen, that's not willingness. That's not willingness. That's just almost willingness. Almost willingness. Some of us will say, as long as the Lord doesn't ask me to talk to that person. I'll talk to anybody. I don't mind talking to people, but not that guy. That guy just rubs me the wrong way. He this, he that, he the other thing. I'm not going to talk to him. God, don't make me go over there and talk to that neighbor. Oh, that neighbor. You see, we, are, we think we're willing until we start putting things on it. Until we start putting conditions on it. 
we maybe say something like this. As long as the Lord makes me happy, I will do anything he wants. As long as he does what makes me happy or asks me to do something that makes me happy, I will do whatever he wants. Listen, guys, that's not willingness. In order to be willing, truly willing, what what the word willing means, it means willing to do anything. Anything. In, In the book of Acts, we see that people were willing to sell everything that they had to give so that they had all things common and all things together and that it was given to the poor. They sold all of those things. Let me ask you, how many of you would be willing to do that? I'm not asking you to do it. How many of you are willing to do it? How many of you are willing to say, I surrender all? How many of you are willing to that? Listen, I don't know if Ananias was willing to give everything up. I have no idea. This I do know. He had a willing spirit. His attitude was willing. He was ready to do anything that God asked him to do. He was just willing. Can I ask you, are you willing? I mean, not not conditionally willing, unconditionally willing. Are you willing? Not only was he willing, number two, I want to show you that he was human. I want to show you his fear. His fear. Look with me in verse 11. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And that's seen in a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. Can you get the sense of fear Can you get the sense of what's going on? Imagine what it must have been like for Ananias. Put yourself in his position, what it must have been like. God begins to ask him, hey, I want you to go see Saul of Tarsus. Can you imagine how Ananias would have felt at that moment? How do you feel when you hear something that you don't want to hear, that makes you nervous, that makes you squeamish? Your heart begins to pound, literally out of your chest. You can feel it just pounding. Um, I'm not sure about this. And then you begin to get the cold sweats, like, oh my goodness, what is going to happen? What is God going to ask me to actually do? Begin to get this feeling, this fear, this overwhelming problem at the moment that God said, Saul of Tarsus. Because if it's anything like it is today, when somebody says a name, sometimes a name just strikes fear into you, doesn't it? Sometimes a name just makes you elated. Sometimes a name just brings forth certain emotion. I can just imagine that Saul of Tarsus did not bring exceeding joy. I've got a feeling that Saul of Tarsus brought exceeding fear. In fact, I believe so much so that every person, over 8,000 people, were so exceedingly fearful of him that they spread out from Jerusalem and said, we're out of here. We can't handle this anymore. We're going to lose our lives. Let's get out of here. And obviously, God had a plan for that. But listen, Ananias knew who Saul was. 
He knew that he was persecuting Christians. He knew that Saul was not the one he wanted to go see. I imagine it this way. God, I'll do anything you want, just don't make me talk to Paul or Saul of Tarsus. Most of us would be in that position. Let me put it to you this way. A lot of times we can say, God, I'll talk to any people group except not Muslims. They strike a fear in our hearts. God, I will go anywhere, just don't send me to that place. A lot of times we have this certain fear and God wants to stretch us just a little bit. I'm sure Ananias wanted to stay as far away from Saul as he possibly could. If he was like any of us, he would have. If you knew that the greatest persecutor of all time at this, up until this time was in your city and God told you to go see him, how would you feel? Put yourself in that position. But look at what Ananias says to the Lord. Look at verse 13 again. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem, and here he hath authority from the chief priests to find all that call on his name, all on thy name. I just want you to notice his attitude, though. I, I, I feel a fear coming out of this. Now, I could be completely wrong. But if, again, if he's anything like us, there would be a fear here. But I want you to notice the attitude behind it. The attitude is not, God, why are you doing this? The attitude is almost an attitude of assurance. God, are you sure? God, you do know who this is, right? It's really raining outside. God, you know what you're doing, right? It's not an attitude of caustic, I don't care what you think, God, I'm not going to do this. This is just an attitude of assurance. Now please listen to this. I love that he doesn't fight with God. I love that there is really no argument here. There's just an assur- God, are you sure? Are we talking about the same person? Is this the same Saul of Tarsus? What I love here is this. It is completely okay to let God know what your fears are. Listen to that again. It is completely okay to let God know what your fears are. You see, I think a lot of us have this problem of, listen, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, so I'm not supposed to fear anything. And we get this idea that we can't even talk about our fears. I'm, I'm a little, because if I fear, then I'm showing my weakness to God, and God needs to know that I will do anything for him. And this is where we're at. It is completely okay to let God know what your fears are. It is completely okay to talk through your fears with God. If you're going to talk through your fears with anybody, should it not be God? 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Most of you will know it. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 
You see what he's saying is, listen, come on, give it to me. Just give it to me. Cast all your care upon me. I care about you. Let me hear your problems. Let me hear what's going on with you. Let me hear how it's going in your life. Let me hear what your fears are. Let me hear what your cares are. Let me hear what you're struggling with. Here, 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 right here, throw it on me. I will take it. It's okay to talk to God about your fears. God can handle your questions. Do you know that? God can handle your questions. God can handle your cares. Look at how God reassures Ananias. Look at verse 15. God reassures him. But the Lord said unto him, and I just get the picture of, again, assurance. Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. I love how God gives him the reassurance. Hey, listen, it's okay. It's okay. I have a plan. I've got it all worked out. I'm going to show him what he's going to go through. He's going to preach to kings and Gentiles. And he's going to go before the children of Israel. And he's going to do great things. And he's going to suffer great things. But listen, I have a plan. You see, I believe this is what happens when you cast your care upon God. When you cast your care upon God and you begin to talk to him about your fears and your, your cares. Listen, I believe he does just reassures you. Hey, listen, it's okay. I'm with you. It's okay. I'm here for you. It's okay. I will be your refuge. I will be your strength. I will go before you. I'm with you. He said that in the Great Commission, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. There are times when God won't give you any more information. I love that God just gives him just a little bit more information. Listen, there are times in your life where God will not give you more information. He will, he will not tell you what it is that you're searching for. He will not even give you a why. He will not even give you a reason sometimes why you are to do these things. Sometimes you will just have to act in complete obedience. Man, I, just, I guess I'm just going to have to act in complete trust. Either way. Whatever God gives you, if God gives you more information or doesn't give you any more, listen to this. God will always give you a peace that passes understanding if you will cast your care upon him. If you will say, listen, God, this is what I'm really going through. These are the feelings that I'm having. These are the struggles that I'm going through. Cast your care upon him. And I believe this, that every single time that I have done that, he has given me a peace that literally passed all understanding. Some of you can attest to that. Some of you can say, yes, I've been there. You see, the problem comes, though, when we act on fear instead of acting on our trust for God. When we act on our fear instead of acting on our trust for God, Pastor Levi has been doing a good job over uh, next door on our Wednesday nights, and if you're not coming on Wednesday nights, I challenge you to. He's doing a wonderful job over there and talking about our feelings and our emotions and listen, feelings of fear are real feelings. They're 100% real. But listen, that doesn't make them true. Doesn't make it true. You can act on those things and you will do something wrong. You know what we need to act on? We need to act on God. 
what God tells us to do, what, the truth of God's word. That's what we need to act on. Listen, every single one of us has fear. We talked this morning in our Connect class here in the auditorium about what is the greatest fear that you have in talking to somebody about Jesus Christ. Listen, all of us has fears in those things, but listen, besides those fears, we have the truth of the word of God that says that those people need it. We have the truth of the word of God that it's a command from God, go and, and preach the gospel. We have the truth of the word of God that it's not for our glory, it's for God's glory. So listen, every one of us has fears, every one of us has problems, every one of us has anxieties, but hear me, Cast them upon the Lord. Talk to him, and I can almost guarantee that he will give you a peace that passes all understanding. So not only do we see his, uh, excuse me, not only do we see his willingness, we see his fear. Thirdly and finally, we see his obedience. His obedience, very simply. Acts chapter 9, look at verse 17. The Bible says that Ananias went his way. Love it. Ananias went his way. And entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes that had been scales and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Ananias just did what God asked him to do. Very simply. And what I want you to look at here is this is not a big deal. This is not some grandiose, wow, super spiritual, 3,000 people got saved. It's not something amazing like that. But in fact, I think it's something bigger than that. It's one man's simple obedience. And because he was obedient, the apostle Paul received sight. The Apostle Paul received the Holy Ghost, and the Apostle Paul was baptized. Not only that, the Apostle Paul heard the words from God, Ananias will come see thee, and here comes Ananias. You know what that just established? That established trust in Almighty God. That God said he was going to do something, and he did it. That establishes something. Listen, by one man's disobedience... Sin passed upon all men. Death passed upon all men. But by one man's obedience, by one man's obedience, life came to all. Eternal life passed upon all men. Sometimes we think, well, if I'm obedient, is it going to be something grandiose? Is it going to be something wonderful? Instead of just sitting back and allowing fear to control him, Ananias had now made an important investment in the life of the Apostle Paul. Not just a fly-by-the-seat-of-his-pants kind of thing, an important investment. So often we can get into this place where we think, oh, I'm not willing. I'm not even willing to do anything. Not only am I not willing, fear 
just grips me. And so often when we're like that, we miss out on exactly what God has planned for our lives. And not only that, I believe we miss out on what God had planned for other people's lives. The Bible says that no man liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good. To them who love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Not our purpose. Not the other person's purpose, but his purpose, God's purpose. When we obey God, things will always, 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 always turn out for the better. I don't care what your view is. When you obey God, things will always turn out for the better. Don't allow the fear of Satan to stop you. Don't allow the real fears of this life to hinder you from performing the task that God has called you to. John chapter 15 and verse 14. John chapter 15 is the abiding chapter. It talks about the vine and the branches abiding in Christ. In that passage, the Bible says this. John chapter 15 and verse 14. Ye are my friends. If ye do whatsoever I command you. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. See, listen, this is not only about us. This is not only about Ananias. This is not only about the Apostle Paul. This is not about somebody else that we can influence or invest in. Listen, this is about God. This is about God so badly wanting a relationship with us. He says, listen, here's the way to become my friend. Do whatsoever I command you. Just be willing. Just be ready. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek. I am lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Hear me. Listen, it's about God. It's about what he wants to do in our lives. Listen, he wants to stretch you. He wants to make you. He wants to be you to be all that you could ever be for his honor and his glory. He wants that for you. And he wants that for himself. He wants to present you, the church, as a glorious body without spot or wrinkle. He wants you to be a vessel unto honor and meat for the master's use. That's what he wants for you. I love kids' songs. Kids' songs are so awesome because they teach us such wonderful truth that we often forget. The song is obedience. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Listen to this. Doing exactly what the Lord commands. Not only doing it, but doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Listen, joy. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. He was willing. Listen, he had fear. All of us do but he was obedient. 